Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Kelly, and I'm here with my fellow book lovers, Ale and Corey. Hello, hello. Greetings. On today's episode, we have another big topic to introduce that will for sure be woven into the fabric of many, many episodes to come. We're going to be talking about raising readers, supporting early literacy at home. Now, as parents and caregivers, of course, we want to be preparing our children uh, for reading and writing at school and supporting them on that journey. But we all have different considerations, different schedules, different resources, and different children. So we want to talk a little bit about what the most important focus is on, as well as discuss a variety of suggestions and options. And as an educator, I know that the success of a student is tied directly to the reading and support that they are receiving at home. As teachers, we work to give every child the skills to be literate and capable readers, but students need more attention than they can reasonably get in a classroom filled with other students. So that's really where the role of their family and caregivers comes in. Yeah, and so many parents that I've spoken with over the last several years have wanted to know how they can help their children because, you know, everybody wants their children to succeed. Problem is they just aren't sure where to begin, and they're not sure what the priorities are that they should be focusing on when they're deciding what to do at home. So there really is a lot to tackle here, and we have a big list of 10 different ways to set up healthy, achievable early literacy routines at home. And even though we won't touch on every single one right now, you'll be able to find the list on our website, and the link will be in our show notes. Tonight, the overarching focus of our recommendations for home uh, will be prioritizing joy and love for reading first and foremost, rather than drilling in phonics skills and forced reading time. And, you know, all those drills and phonics are something that many parents buy into. It's definitely not for us as a family um, on a personal note, but it is something that's marketed as being accessible for parents to work with without having to have a background in education. But, you know, are they really worth the time, the money, like the effort that goes into them? Uh, I think that, a wor- first of all, I have to say that a worksheet book on its own is not an acceptable literacy program or math program. You know, it doesn't do everything that needs to be happening. It's just one very small rote thing they're doing. Um, But if your child does enjoy those meditative, quiet time of filling in blanks and things like that, it, it doesn't hurt to have one. We do have a couple. Um, but it's not something we do every day. It's something that's just available to her and she can pick it up and do it like she might pick up a coloring book. I don't force it because if you force things like that and they're not into it, they can get some really strong aversions to what they consider to be reading and writing and schoolwork in general. And we want to avoid them having 
like deeply negative feelings towards reading. So, you know, my son is not a worksheet or workbook type. And if I try to force it, it's just a battle. So that speaks like directly to what you were saying. But if I leave a station out with writing materials or cards that interest him right now, like birds, um, then he tends to gravitate to that. And he's more likely to try it out on a whim. Reading together is obviously a big part of every day for us, which leads us to our second point, which is not just having discussions together about the books, but also just talking in general. So in, in the context of talking about kindergarten and kindergarten age children and younger, um, I want to say that this is a much more reasonable approach if you want to introduce things. Um, so so working on reading together as opposed to working on a worksheet or having them work alone on a worksheet you actually need to read with them every day that's our number one most important priority on our 10 things you should be doing list making time most people read right before bed i mean we do uh but every day you should be reading whoever is a caregiver in your family should be reading one-on-one. -on -one. And you should be reading the same book at least seven times before returning it or moving on. But not in a row. Every <laughs> 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 seven times in a row. <laughs> that just happens so well. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so, right. And when you're talking about what you have been reading, you can do things like check for comprehension by asking questions. I'm sure all of us have been, you know, to a library, read aloud story time, and, or maybe sat in on a class um, with an early childhood educator, and you'll notice that they ask a few questions, but not a ton of questions. You wanna ask a few questions for clarity, such as, why did that girl cross the road? You know, to sort of make sure that they're, they're understanding what's happening in the story, they're following along, they're being engaged, but too many questions um, can pull them right out of the story. Definitely. It, and the questions when you're using them at the right times um, are a good indicator of whether or not you're moving too fast or if they're completely bored with the story and, and maybe you should pick another one. Uh, you can also stop and make connections as well as questions, but you can do that at the end of a book. So at the end, you can say, remember when you and I crossed the road earlier today and when we went to the park, just like in this book, and, and try to help them talk about those connections. So you, you want them to, you know, understand what they're reading and then also be able to take that and connect it to their own world and their own experiences. Right. So that's helping them with making inferences about what they're reading. So based on the pictures and what they know so far, what they can infer, like, I think she's crossing the road because she's scared of the dog. So that, for example, you can see where they're connecting the dots. And, you know, also making connections to other books. So not just to their life or what they think is happening, but if you're reading every day, then they have a lot of books that they can refer to. So one example is um, we love Robert Munch books. Uh, he's a Canadian writer. He writes just tons of books. I don't know. He must have like 5,000 already. Um, so many. So many. <laughs> and most of them are really good. Um, so the 
the illustrator who does most of those books, his name is Michael Marchenko, he hides things in the books that appear in different books, even they're about, they're about totally different people in different places. Um, he'll hide little objects like uh, swamp water, which is like this weird green drink that appears in a bunch of different books. Anyways, so when I'm reading with River, she'll comment, oh, like, hey, you know, um, that Band-Aid in Up, Up, Down is so big, it must belong to the giant from David's father. So she's seeing something in one book, and she's able to connect it to another book that she's read. And that's one of the things that we're really trying to get them to do, because they're taking all this information and all of this, you know, experiences and they're gonna smush them all together what we want <laughs> right and so talking to your child is also really about listening to them and helping them form their own ideas and this applies to talking to them all throughout the day you know at the dinner table asking them questions i would say you could even treat it like you're meeting someone for the first time what would you want to know about the person that you're sitting down and talking with you would want to find out what they're interested in, what their goals are, you know, what their likes and dislikes, and your child has goals and interests and likes and dislikes. And I think sometimes the answers are really funny and surprising. Yeah, like my son is absolutely obsessed with talking about animals and birds. And I mean, I that that would be another point is just, I do try to make sure that the books in our house play to his interests because that helps him be much more interested in, <laughs> in the books in general. But that's what we talk about at the dinner table is snow leopards and flamingos. <laughs> yeah, uh, River really likes making up jokes and... Uh... She doesn't really totally understand how a joke works yet, but she'll no. tell me things. <laughs> and then she'll just laugh and laugh. I hope she figures out how a joke works soon. <laughs> Otherwise, that's going to be a problem. Um, but one of the other things that you want to consider doing, another one of our points, is uh, rotating where you're keeping your books so that you're keeping them fresh. So if you have baskets of books by the couch or the bed or wherever, you want to have a, a variety and you want to keep on switching them so that, you know, it keeps things fresh. And even if they're in a reading loop, they, they get some new material in there as well. So, you know, which leads into kind of another vital point, which is just having books available all the time. A child should own their own book and have their own bookshelf um, or basket, whatever. But um, we've talked in previous episodes about how to build a bookshelf slowly and in cost-effective ways. And we'll link some of those ways in the show notes as well. But for us as a family, we make a point of having books available in pretty much every room of the house, including the bathroom. Definitely. And when books are at an arm's length, it's so much easier to grab one and just start reading. You know, when the feeling hits for either you or the child. Um, when I was in the classroom, I would also do this and have, you know, different baskets and several spots around the classroom, as well as the elusive, like, teacher's bookshelf that, <laughs> you know, where we stored all the special books that we brought from home in um, to really get people excited. And you can also remember that there are lots of different reading opportunities built into every part of your life, whether that's your classroom class day life or your life at home or during your commute if you're taking public transit. 
you can really incorporate reading into smaller moments, um, like reading recipes, which is also great for math, and doing stuff like helping write birthday cards, getting the mail, you know, just teeny moments where we are used to reading things and like taking in information, like the, the tiny humans aren't used to that, and they can totally learn stuff. My favorite or not, well, actually my favorite too, but my toddler's favorite time to read is on the toilet. And we're doing the potty training thing right now. And she will sit there for a solid 40 minutes and make me read to her all of her favorite board books. And it's this great sort of side note from our day where it's like, we have to stop what we're doing because, you know, she's got to go. But it also becomes a great time for us to read together that isn't scheduled into what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, it's a good time to be together and read and make connections. And, you know, we're like just talking about some of those micro moments. We're really big on saying the letter and sounding out signs and things that we encounter while we're out and like whether it's a store sign or a road sign. And, and it really helps with comprehension. Like I can see the associations to sight words like a stop sign um, forming in his mind. We'll stop on our walk and spell out S-T-O-P on the big red sign. And, and that's forming that association with a sight word for him. And I think that's a totally underrated literacy moment that is just a part of your walk in the evening. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite is reading recipes. I'm a huge fan of this because it teaches a few different skills at one time. You know, learning to cook is a skill that every human needs to know how to do and impress their friends at dinner parties down the line. <laughs> um, <laughs> but having the ability to get everyone in the house involved in cooking, you know, you get a little extra family hangout time. It smashes that stereotype that just women can cook and just women are in the kitchen. And also when you're having a little one help with fine motor tasks like mixing and scooping, it can help those muscles that you're gonna need for writing down the line. And even all of that is before you even get to reading the recipe itself, which are in a different format than a book. So it helps to be familiar with different styles of writing, helps with the mathematical thinking of having ordered tasks and measuring. Ugh, it's just so good. Just love Definitely. It. <laughs> and, you know, it's just understanding procedural writing and understanding that there isn't like the procedures must occur in a certain order, which applies to so many different aspects of their life, like getting dressed. Like you have to put on the underwear before your pants. That's a thing that you have to learn. You didn't know that, you know, when you just started out. Um, but one of the things that I, I love about getting them involved in the kitchen is that they're just, they feel so independent independent and it's just a great activity to do on so many levels like today river learned to make her own peanut butter and jelly sandwich and i just sort of sat on the couch and gave her the instructions and that was a great activity for her and for me maybe she'll just start making everybody's sandwiches so we can, we can always dream yes. <laughs> that's that's living the dream i'm i'm really not sure <laughs> We're there yet. Um, I think I'm still the primary kid sandwich maker around here, but 
baking, I think for us is the thing that everybody gets involved with. And, and that's where we're working on recognizing numbers for measurements and, and, you know, he's learning how to guess what happens next. So, you know, little by little, it's building independence and confidence in him being able to relate something on the page to real life. And that actually brings us to a really good point of opportunities for independent book exploration, because reading to a child is so, so important, but children should also be able to spend time perusing at their own pace, looking at the pages, the pictures, the words, inventing their own ideas about what is happening. I feel like we've all seen those ultra cute moments when a toddler that doesn't really know how to speak in coherent sentences, like sits down with a book and sort of um, mimes and like retells <laughs> in their own way going through a book, which is just one of the cutest things in the entire world, you know, and oh, just love it. Kids it's are so goofy. Definitely one of the highlights of having a toddler, I have to say. I just like to watch her read her own thing and point at the little pictures. <laughs> and, you know, it's definitely why we have books stashed away in every corner that they're playing in or working in or wherever I can fit them. Not at all because I have too many books. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Definitely not. No, but it like having all those books all over the place, it allows them to choose what they want to investigate further and it respects their choices of books that they want to read um, and borrowing from the library and allowing them to use their books at the library is a really big one. And I know sometimes they want to read the same thing like 10,000 times in a row and it might not be your favorite, but for us, like I really try to make sure that our library hall is a blend of what my son wants to read and what I choose as well. But I try to give them equal reading time when we get home. Yeah, we definitely have a bunch in this house that are just read ragged. I can probably recite I Took the Moon from Walk like from my memory. I don't even need the book anymore. Oh yeah, between Goodnight Construction Night <laughs> and the Going to Bed book, I've read them approximately a million times each, which is why getting a variety coming in um, really helps us just from running out of the house screaming and our library routine is a huge part of that like you know letting your child get their own library card the feeling of having that ownership the responsibility and the independence is really important for us. and also the fact that just going to the library should be a fun highlight part of your week and um Actually, this even goes back to like memories of my own childhood. My mom would take us every week. And I remember that. I remember like how much fun it was to go and pick out your book. And we had a little wagon. And I try and, and get that fun feeling for my kids as well. Although it's a lot easier now because libraries are really designed to entertain your kids in a safe way, in a way that they weren't like 30 years ago. You know, they've got toys. They've got like gross motor play areas. And... So going to the library can be a real highlight and it, it's not hard to make it part of your routine in that way. We really miss the library. I miss the library so much. Curbside pickup's not the same, but I do love curbside pickup. It's, it's better than nothing, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, don't we all? Um, but you know what I was thinking? One thing that people might not be considering in all of this is seeing parents parents and guardians reading for pleasure you know bust out a glass of iced tea put your feet up got a book 
you get a little relaxing time. It's modeling good reading behavior. You know, reading is an excellent way to wind down instead of looking at a screen. Guilty as charged, but I'm <laughs> trying to get better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's really modeling an everyday habit that will have a huge ripple effect for many years to come. Yeah, I think that's really one of the most valuable things that you can do is have your children see you enjoying reading. So on that note, I think a book is calling my name. So if you want to take a look at our full list, um, check out our show notes and head over to our website at picturebookstogang.com. You'll also find links to other resources that we've touched on here today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at picturebookstogang. Drop us a line and tell us what are you reading today? <laughs>